When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Slop Dog, the Brainiacs are ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slap Dog. Welcome to episode 156. Glad to be doing this with both of my very handsome co-hosts here slapdog and scotty del rey or excuse me alan big that's Al. you you're slap i'm slapdog i'm slapdog <laughs> gentlemen how are we doing today couldn't be better tis the season i feel it in my bones yeah feeling good feeling very good i'm excited the holidays are here the drinks are happening the food is happening we're back in full swing we are. You look great, by the way. I uh, I didn't get the memo to dress up in my Christmas swag, but I'm happy uh, happy that somebody did. I'll do it for Wednesday show, okay? Uh, we have some big news, gentlemen. This is the first time we are on Instagram. Very excited about that. We Woo. have been on YouTube and Twitter, and uh, Instagram just came out with the ability to go live over there. So this is our first episode on Instagram. Gonna, Welcome into all of our... We're going to try not to fuck it up for all of you. We're going to try. We're going to try. <laughs> so welcome in to the Brainiac community, Instagram. It's good to have you guys here. And uh, Twitter and YouTube, all you guys, we appreciate your continued support. We have a lot to discuss, of course, with the Week 15 concluding here. We have Monday night's game, of course, and we'll talk about that at the very end. But there's a lot of narratives to discuss. Of course, Brandon Staley is no longer around, so congratulations to Chargers fans. He gone. Uh, He is gone. So we're going to be talking about, of course, the implications there. Cowboys got smoked. Um, I don't know if there's Chiefs talks today. I don't think that we're going to be discussing the Chiefs a whole lot, which is crazy. Um, Bucks, Rams, a whole slew of conversation. But before we do any of that, let's let's just briefly talk about the MVP odds very quickly. Alan, why don't you take it over? Yeah, I wanted to. I thought this was a good uh, point in the season. We got a few weeks left. A lot of awards up for grabs. Everybody wants to talk about and speculate who's getting what, who's winning what. MVP race, I feel like, is coming more into focus. I think Brock Purdy's kind of going to walk his way into an MVP. I think maybe some wide receivers feel disrespected, a la Tyreek Hill. Um, It's not really a position player award anymore. It's more of a quarterback award. Do you guys agree really quick? Do we feel like Brock Purdy, he's our MVP so far? We think he's going to get that? Well, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out, this conversation could be totally different because, you know, similarly to the Heisman conversation every year, it's always like, okay, who's the best team? You know, whichever team wins their division, Super Bowl favorites, that quarterback tends to be a favorite. Uh, But as of right now, it just makes a whole lot of sense that Brock Purdy is leading the conversation because of his play, because of the success that the 49ers have had. And then you add in all the stuff, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, all the other uh, talking points that can be thrown in there that bolsters interest in the draft, that bolsters interest in the NFL generally. It just really seems like the cards are stacked in his favor right now. But we'll have to wait and see because a lot can change over the next few weeks. And I think what what Scotty said is really, really important there is a lot could change in the next few weeks. 
I think if Tyreek Hill played this week and he had another 100-yard-plus game, like we might not even be having this mm-hmm. conversation because Tyreek Hill has been incredible this entire season. He's been great. Unfortunately, he was out with his ankle injury, and he, is kind of, he was banged up the week previous, so he didn't get nearly as high marks as I think he probably wanted to. Uh, but I, I think that you, you can't write that narrative off. I mean, if Brock Purdy gets hurt tomorrow – and then Tyreek Hill comes in and puts up three 150-yard games consecutively, I think the conversation changes, and that that hot hand is really kind of, as we get towards the end of the season, I think there's a lot that could happen, but I I think that you can't argue with what Brock Purdy's done, you know, and and he does deserve to be in that MVP conversation. So currently, yeah, I I have him there. Yep, we'll get into it in a second. I think my MVP vote would be to our uh, Leather Brains MVP of the week, I think. Overall, you got to look at him as, and we'll get into that in a second. For those of you listening, our MVP of the week is coming up soon. I really took us down this road because I wanted to talk about Coach of the Year. Was thinking about something before the show started. I'll give you the top three uh, favorites for Coach of the Year, and this is an interesting year. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of weird storylines playing out. Um, current NFL odds, top three, they're all tied at plus three twenty-five for Coach of the Year. We have Dan Campbell, hey, D'Amico Ryan's of the Texans. We have Mike McDaniel of the Dolphins. Now, mm. I brought us down this road because mm. I think the the coach of the year is not one of these three. But before I dive into who I feel like my coach of the year would be at this point in time, do you do you feel like it's going to be one of those three? Do you feel like it should be one of those three? Is there somebody some dark horse that's not on there that you think should be mentioned? I, I, I look, man. You guys don't, know I'm don't a even Lions say it this bro. year. God, but I'm it. I. I so I like that he's in the realm of conversation. I don't think he should win, I, to be honest with you. I think if I was to pick a coach of the year that deserves it more than anyone else, it's D'Amico Ryans. He's a rookie coach. He came in with a rookie quarterback, and the the Texans organization is on a completely different trajectory with him there, with what he has done to that organization in such a short amount of time. I think you have to give it to D'Amico Ryans. I like Dan Campbell. I like what he's doing with the Lions, and I do think the Lions are a great team, and I, I really do contribute a lot of that to, to what Dan Campbell is doing with that organization. Uh, but he's been there a little bit longer, and and for somebody that, that didn't think the Texans were ever going to come back to life, uh, I've been really impressed with D'Amico Ryan. So I I would I would say he's he's earned my vote. Yeah, and, and I – I am in no way a 49ers homer, but I really think Kyle Shanahan needs to be a part of this conversation as well, especially if you're one of these people who thinks that Brock Purdy is a system quarterback. Well, who made the system? Uh, Who made the system so great that this Mr. Irrelevant is an MVP candidate, and that is the coach over there in San Francisco. So I think he at least needs to be a part of the conversation. But ultimately, I really like the argument you made for D'Amico Ryans, and I think if the Texans end up making the playoffs, there's a real good chance that he wins it. Yep. We'll see how the year plays out. I think it's a good point in time. My coach of the year resides in the same division as D'Amico Ryans. And that would be for one Shane Steichen, who is currently fourth on this list. Scotty, uh, Kyle is fifth, has the fifth best odds right now for NFL coach of the year. And I was thinking about this before we went on the air, but Shane Steichen, if you look at a head coach that's had to deal with so much adversity just on his own team, first-year head coach, starting quarterback goes down, running backs go down, you're trading away your best defensive players. You're, 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 you're getting rid of some dead weight, and you're having to deal with so many injuries on that team. And you're still finding ways to win games. Is quite even in the game against Pittsburgh to me was like a microcosm of his coaching overall. You had 
you had a what's his face getting knocked out just absolutely concussed on such a dirty hit um mm. and the team just still found a way to win they were in a hole came back and won and and i think for me it's an that afc south for as much as the, the rest of the afc is going to get attention with the one seed in the afc east i think that afc south is super interesting you have three eight and six teams jaguars colts texans all right there Super interesting, but we'll stay we'll stay close to this. I think as, as the the last three weeks play out, but there's a lot of races in play, a lot of underlying storylines that are just super interesting to watch play out. Mm-hmm. I I've been a fan of Shane Steichen since you know he was leaving the Eagles, and not that I wasn't, I guess beforehand, but that's really like where he it was. All right, what can you do? And he would kind of proven himself that he could turn the Eagles offense around with Jalen Hurts, and you know we've talked about the Eagles in the past and how they've kind of struggled this year offensively at times and I think that is kind of showing and telling of what Shane Steichen has done in the past with the Eagles he's brought it over to the Colts and the Colts offense does look really good it's unfortunate with all the injuries and I do like that um, but I I guess maybe I held him on maybe a little bit higher pedestal as far as the the potential outcomes that he was going to bring Mm. to that team versus someone like like D'Amico Ryan so uh, D'Amico still got my vote I like Shane Steichen and I do think that he deserves some credit there but I if I was voting today and I don't get any votes and I'm going to knock on the NFL's door and say hey I think I deserve one but if I if I was to vote it would be D'Amico Ryan for me I I just (laughs) I'm impressed with him and and what he's done with that team well yeah I don't think you can go wrong Shane's got maybe the best backup quarterback of all time leading his offense, who is the one one of the coolest people who's ever lived. So I think with Gardner Minshew on the team, anything is possible. So I think he gets a little bit bumped down for me because he's got such an advantage with Minshew on the roster. <laughs> it's very true. Very true. Scotty, do you want to take us down to our MVP of the week? Oh, it would be my honor to give you the Leather Brains MVP of the week. But first, we got to tell you who this segment is brought to you by, uh, which is PrimeSociety.com. So you should join elite athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out PrimeSociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality Christmas gift that won't break the bank or you want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society is the answer. Your fantasy MVP helped you secure the bag in your league, so make sure you secure the bag with Prime Society. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today at primesociety.com. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today. And now your Leather Brains MVP of the week is Mr. Christian McCaffrey. He's, you know, the MVP in my heart almost every week. This guy has carried my fantasy teams. Uh, But he had 18 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown, plus another five receptions for 72 yards and two more touchdowns for a total of 41.7 PPR points. Christian McCaffrey is the man. Yeah, it sucks when uh, you're going against him in fantasy football, and uh, it has been a trend for him earning our MVP quite often this season. So Yeti... Yeti is on Wednesday's show. He makes a lot of our graphics for us. Yeti just reused one from the week previous because I know CMC has been there, and he deserves it, man. He It was funny. I saw a tweet today, and it was uh, – I think Florio had retweeted it from from a, a sports doctor of some kind, and the doctor had said, like, he was talking about injuries, and he had said that, you know, everybody's writing CMC off as, as injury-prone, as somebody who couldn't stay healthy. And then you've seen what he's done this entire season. And it was funny. I was talking to my fiance about this just yesterday. She plays fantasy. She's very involved in the community. Uh, and 
she was like, man, he is just look like a, a different person since he's come over to the 49ers. And I said, he has, you know, it, the usage for him is, is much different than when he was the Panthers entire offense. Now he is a large component of the 49ers offense, but he's not expected to carry the weight. So I've been impressed with what I seen, what I have seen with CMC this year. And, uh, and he looks, he looks just as explosive as he had in years past. I think you're muted there, Alan. My bad. I was coughing and then I was taking a drink. <laughs> um, I, I remember last year when he was traded, we were talking about like, what is his usage going to be like? Because, you know, Kyle is very notorious for using multiple backs and getting a lot of people lathered up. And I think quite a pleasant surprise to see him leaning on the players that that actually work where you see some coaches, <clears throat> which may be mentioned in the duds, where they don't like to feature their stars. So I think it's a, a testament to the system and the coach and, and it it's kind of unreal that he's still having this success with all of the talent on that team yeah for sure uh let's just get into it let's do the studs and duds so i will kick things off here with uh, my stud of the week being justin fields i was really impressed with justin fields and i think we had sent out a tweet on leather brains about this but he had a really great he, he it was a rollout pass he had to roll out left he threw it to Cole Komet for a touchdown and it was Komet was running like a deep drag route it hit him in the end zone it was probably like a 20 yard ball and I watched this play and I'm thinking to myself this is the problem that the Bears organization has this is the problem because you you see the flashes of excellence that Fields has and then you also see the 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 exact opposite so you see these flashes and you see these plays and you're like, damn, like he he is the future. He is the guy. And it really begs the question, what do the Bears do now? Do they they have a top tier pick? So most are thinking they're going to move on from him. I, I don't know where Fields goes from here. I don't know where the Bears organizations goes from here. They have a lot of decisions they need to make this offseason. But I was impressed by this and it makes me kind of feel as if there might be some hope for Justin Fields. Maybe not with the Bears, but I do think that he still has starting quarterback opportunities somewhere. And so he he gets my stud of the week, man. I was really impressed with that play. Well, and another side to that conversation that people aren't talking enough about is Eberflus. Um, you know, everyone's been kind of calling for his head this season, just given how the Bears have underperformed. But we got to remember, this guy's a defensive-minded coach, and this Bears defense has completely flipped a script over the course of the season. This Bears defense is tough now. And so Eberflus has proven, hey, he can still be an effective uh, you know, component of this Bears team. I think maybe it's fantasy land, but the best-case scenario would be they keep Eberflus as a defensive coordinator and hire a new head coach um, and just see what they can do because the way that he's turned around this defense has been extremely impressive. That's what think- I would hope that they do. Go ahead, Alan. Sorry. I was going to say, do you think that, do you think Fields stays in Chicago? No, I don't. I, I think if they didn't have, uh, you know, two top tier picks uh, or at least one top tier pick and then another good first rounder, but I, I think if they didn't have that, they'd have to think harder about it. But with the quarterback class coming up, it's just going to be really hard to sell it to the organization that they want to run with fields for another year, given the opportunity that they have. I think you- it's going to come down to the head coach. I th- and, and that's I've said this from the beginning. I think that it yep. largely yep. depends on what happens with Eberflus. And yep. I, I was I was talking to another one of our friends about this, and we were texting back and forth for probably 30 minutes about this entire conversation that we're not having. I think if Eberflus stays and does not get fired, they move on from Justin Fields. Now, I think Justin Fields has a higher probability of staying with the Bears 
if they fire Eberflus. And the reason being is because, and I was telling our friend this exact situation, I said, these NFL coaches are playing to continue to, are they are they are still trying to be a head coach, right? They are still trying to keep their career as a head coach alive. And you think about it like this. If Eberflus was to stay as the head coach and he gets rid of Justin Fields and brings in a rookie, he then has another another foot to stand on. Well, he's a rookie quarterback. He's still improving. So in, in some, yeah, he's buying his own time, right? And versus with Justin Fields, he couldn't get it done with Justin Fields. So I, I think that if, if Eberflus gets fired – the new head coach is going to come in, and if the Bears were smart as an organization, they would say, what do you want to do? Do you want to give this Justin Fields another shot, or do you want to just move on from him and clean the hat? Like, what, what do you want to come in and do differently that you think you could get Justin Fields to, to succeed? Hypothetical for you really quick. Let's say they get a new coach. He comes in and says, I have a draft strategy. Let's keep Fields. Let's draft Marvin Harrison Jr. one. Let's draft Brock Bowers with our fifth pick, which they currently have. So you mm-hmm. get the arguably number one wide receiver that they've seen in forever, and you get one of the best tight ends that we've seen in forever. Now you have an offense that features Fields, DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Brock Bowers, and a brand-new head coach, and you can see, okay, what are we working with? Do you, I, do you think that would entice you to be like, all right, let's stay with what we have in Fields, or do you think, no – let's let's switch it like if you were the gm what which path would you take new head well, and, new head coach new quarterback or what i just said there's even a third option too where you trade away that first pick and you get a whole bunch more draft capital over the course of the next first two rounds and replace way more pieces and i don't think that's as sexy or as exciting but that's a great way to build a foundation on which your team can grow from there and so i think that's in the realm of possibility as well you know to me i'm looking at it and the same conversation we just had about Eberflus, uh, i think applies to any coach that comes in if they bring in a rookie quarterback that coach is buying himself a lot of grace and a lot of time with an organization that is used to losing. And so if I am a head coach walking in there, you see that Justin Fields has not been successful uh, in this offense. I think I'm rolling the dice with a new quarterback. And I think I'm mm-hmm. picking up Caleb Williams um, if if that option is available. And, you know, it's, it's tough to say. Obviously, it's all speculation. But I think as a new head coach coming in or as Eberflus staying, that's the best way to secure your job. And th- like I... I think Alan, what you said is the most fun, right? Like that—that that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd be in for that. And I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not a Bears fan, but I'm a fan of just—I want to see him succeed. And I think that would be crazy. It would be fun. But I think realistically, what we're going to see is Justin Fields gets traded for a second or a third. You know, he's going to get traded for some picks. They're going to move on from him. And I think that regardless of the coaching situation we're probably going to see a different quarterback. Now, Justin Fields going to somewhere like the Falcons would be really, really fun. Because the Falcons are a run-first team, you get Justin Fields, who can run really well, do some play-action passes, get the pass catchers involved. I would like to see that, uh, but I, I don't know. It, the Bears' situation is definitely going to be one to watch this offseason, especially because they have two currently top five picks, some question marks at quarterback, and it's, it is going to be, you know, then their coach as well is kind of under some heat. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But uh, let's move over to Allen for your study of the week. Yep, my stud of the week. Um, no surprise to Slaps. I know he loves himself some James Cook, James B. Cookin'. He is mm. my stud of the week. And honestly, you could almost give a pseudo stud of the week or last half of this year for the Bills to one Joe Brady, who is the interim offensive coordinator. The This Bills team has 
totally changed the way they're playing. They went from being on this total reliance of Josh Allen. He needed to throw it 30 times a game. He had to run it 15 times a game. It was all on Josh Allen. And you're seeing what happens when they have an offensive coordinator that is focusing in on the things that they do well. And James Cook is highlighting one of the things that they do well. On the broadcast, if you watched the Cowboys game, it was bully ball. James Cook this week went 179 yards and one touchdown on the ground and two receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown through the air. And it's really over the last three weeks, four weeks, you saw it last week with the Chiefs where they are making concerted efforts to highlight their skill position and not just um, digs and not just um, uh, Titan Kincaid. They're really get, getting want, concerted effort to get to get elsewhere. You don't and want to I think Davis in there. No, <laughs> I was listening. Yeah, the bills so funny, funny. I was listening on the radio and I was listening to the, I, I like doing this. I told you guys this a few weeks ago and I had the bills home radio station that I was listening to. Cause it was obviously their home game. And that's what uh, Sirius XM taps into. And they were saying like, shout out Gab Davis, Gabe Davis on this block. He came in and really sealed the corner. He didn't get any catches last week and he's not getting anything this week, but shout out to his blocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just dying. I, I mean, he can't catch dying. if you throw it to him. So I think that's no. kind of a problem in and of itself. I do James Cook, man, 25 carries this last week for 179 yards and a touchdown. Put up 36 fantasy points. If CMC didn't go off like he did, I think James Cook is definitely an MVP candidate for us this week. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting to see. I, you know, I think the really, really funny thing is if you saw at the very end of the game, head coach Sean McDermott for the Bills gave a game ball to Josh Allen and not James Cook. And Josh Allen, in his like post game interview, was like, "I feel like I was just in a group project, like back in high school or middle school, and I feel like I got an A, and I really didn't do that much work." And he didn't. Do you want to know the like the the stat line for him in this game was seven completions for ninety four yards and a touchdown? Mm-hmm. It was James Cook, and he did great, and it was hilarious, and I I love. I love how Josh Allen was just like, he recognized that he didn't do a lot, but to give him the game ball and not James Cook, is a, that's a slap in the face. Okay, of shame hang, on, on. hang on, hang on. Should McDermott just be fired for not being in tune with what happened to his team like yes. in the game? Like, There's no way he meant to give Josh Allen the game ball, right? Yeah, he, he's shown went... quite the lapse of judgment of, of late recently between 9-11 and handing game balls to people who don't do anything. He's had a rough go of it. Okay, but here's the thing. I want to get serious for a second about this, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later, and we still probably will, but I just want to touch on this, and it's nothing against James Cook. It's nothing against this new offensive coordinator, but the reason they're finding this success is because of the health of their defense. In this game in particular against the Cowboys, the Cowboys have a pretty leaky run defense. They're bottom third in the NFL in terms of uh, run rush yards allowed, uh, but people don't notice that because the Cowboys score 30 plus points a game and so teams have to throw the ball in order to get back in those games and because the Bills defense is healthier now than they've been all season long they were able to stop that and focus on the ground game and that uh, that's a big reason why James Cook had so much success here because they were able to expose the weakness of the Cowboys defense which was an option because the Bills defense stepped up and that's what I really took away from this game it was really impressive. Yeah, we'll get more into that. I didn't want to get too far in the weeds here in our studs and duds, so we will get more into that. Um, But I'm really happy about James Cook. And now, Scotty, 
why don't you take it over for your dud of the week? This is my dud every week, but I uh, I like when somebody else brings him to the table. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is just the the slap dog episode where we're talking up James Cook and talking down, talking shit I'm on Arthur Smith. It so far, <laughs> um, this makes me so infuriated. Because number one, we're going to talk about Bijan Robinson, which is really why Arthur Smith is the dud of the week, but. The fact that he is placing so much trust in Desmond Ritter makes absolutely no sense. Let me tell you, there are a lot of great stars on this team. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. All three of those guys combined for six receptions this week. That's Desmond Ritter. That's a Desmond Ritter problem. You have to understand that when you have backs like Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, and then you have this quarterback who's probably not even good enough to be a solid backup, why the hell are you not giving your future Pro Bowl, or, you know, your future Hall of Fame running back in Bijan Robinson 25 carries a game? He had eight touches, seven carries, and one reception. That is just unacceptable. And then you add in the fact the weather side of this, which is it was just rainy and sleety and shitty, and they're still not giving Bijan Robinson the workload that he deserves. It makes absolutely no sense. This is this is maybe the dumbest the dumbest game plan I have ever seen on an NFL field. Baby, keep going. What else you got? Let's keep smashing on Arthur Smith because he is a dumpster fire of a human being. Shave your mustache. Not you, Scotty. Yours is fine. Arthur Smith, you dirty old prick. You're a terrible coach. You're misusing your first-round draft pick this year, and you are a shameful man. And the Falcons should hate you, and I'm sure that most Falcons fans do. Arthur Smith, you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. I hope uh, hope you're fired. (laughs) Well, any, uh, the chances of him getting fired are getting higher and God, higher with him being so stupid. They lost and, to the you know, Panthers. They, they should have had this division locked up so easily. And in fact, I've argued, you know, from last year that if they would have picked up a competent quarterback, this is like a real contending team, given all the weapons that they have and the strides the defense has made. And now, you know, the front office pissed it away first by not replacing Desmond Ritter, and now Arthur Smith is pissing it away even further by not giving the ball to the players who will win them games. It's just. Absurd. It's mind blowing. He's he's literally screwing himself out of a job, and I'm here for it. I love that. Keep it up, Arthur Smith. You raunchy piece of shit. All right. I will give you my dud of the week. It being Sarah Jessica Parker, aka Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence shares the majority of the blame, or if Doug Peterson shares the majority of the blame. But regardless, what a poor decision they had. Uh, There was less than, I think, 20 seconds on the clock. They're marching down the field. They get some completions. They have to run up, and this was right before halftime in the game last night. Mm -hmm. Right before halftime, they run it up. They have five seconds left. They need to spike the ball, and instead they go for it. They go for it was like an out route that was not in the end zone. The guy catches it. He's not able to get out of bounds. Clock runs halftime you spike that ball you now have enough time to maybe maybe make two attempts in the end zone if you're throwing the ball and instead you blew it right there sarah jessica parker cut your damn hair quit using l'oreal use head and shoulders like a real man and you fucked up and you deserve (laughs) my dad of the week for that reason yeah i'm interested to see what the what the you know, history behind this is like, was this Doug Peterson's call? Like I, I assume whether it was Peterson or Trevor Lawrence, they were trying to catch the defense off guard. Everybody on planet earth thought they were going to spike it. So they're trying, they're trying to just hustle up and make something happen real quick. Um, 
But it just doesn't make any sense, especially with how they haven't been converting in the red zone the whole game. They missed two field goals. They they fumbled in the red zone. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence just randomly dropped that ball in the red zone. So they're not converting. They're not putting points on the board. And then you have an opportunity to do that at the end of the half and finally get right before the second half. And you make a decision like this, which just doesn't make any sense to me at all. So I'm interested to, to know, I hope we find out who actually made that call. If it was a check at the line based on something Lawrence saw, or if this was the plan running up to the ball, it just didn't make any sense. Didn't yeah, it was a weird, it. it was a weird end of the half and they were getting some momentum because it was a deep completion um, to Ridley and it was sweet. And then you're like, everybody and their mom was like, all right, they're going to spike this. They're going to clock this. They're going to talk about the two plays. What do we do if somebody's tackled, have like an emergency field goal situation, whatever it is. And it was literally like he, like nobody skipped it. I want to say this is on Doug because, you know, the quarterback doesn't make that decision in a silo. And it was like everybody knew what the next play was. So it was just an odd play call. He threw the out route, which was probably on Sarah Jessica Parker. Like that was not going to go, go anywhere. It honestly reminded me of the AFC title game a few years back with the uh, Chiefs and Bengals where Mahomes throws it out to to Hill out into the flat and then he gets tackled and bounced and that's it. Like, you just stop running that play. It sucks. It's such like a oh, – so many things can go wrong. Pick six, you're tackled and bounced. Like, mm-hmm. so many things can go wrong. It was just a dumbass play call to end the half. Yeah, and it I mean, it bit them in the ass. Obviously, I don't think they were going to win that game regardless, but who knows? You go into momentum with the touchdown at mm-hmm. halftime and things might be different. And unfortunately for – uh, the Jaguars it did not go that way because of some poor maybe play calling I think like you said Alan Sarah Jessica Parker shares part of that blame let's go over something happier Scotty your stud yeah my stud man it's Baker Mayfield this dude balled the fuck out it was incredible to watch him just dice up this Green Bay defense and let me tell you he is the second quarterback in NFL history to have a perfect QBR in Lambeau first one is Aaron Rodgers Nobody else outside of those two have ever done that. And Baker Mayfield, I, I feel like this is this has got to spark a whole conversation <laughs> here. That is, is he did he get a bad shake at the start of the you know he has played you know he's, he hasn't been playing like an MVP candidate, but he's played pretty well with this Bucks team, and he's capping it off with performances like this. Is Baker Mayfield a starter that's going to stay a starter in the NFL? Is he the new Ryan Fitzpatrick? without the cool beard and he kind of whines a lot more uh i don't know i it was cool right i mean he's second quarterback in history to to go in and have a perfect qbr rating in lambo that's wonderful that's awesome but i also think like we have seen baker mayfield in the nfl for so long and we've seen the product that is baker mayfield i'm not bought in on him but i do think that he probably is going to fall into that category of that plug and plug in quarterback for a year while we figure out what the next move in our organization is and just kind of be that that kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe I could see that being the case for him I also could see him just kind of falling out after this year he's on a one-year contract with the the Bucks and let's not forget this Bucks offense still has a lot of weapons on it and I know that they're getting older but you have Mike Evans you have Chris Godwin Rashad White has Mm -hmm. been electric and so I think that also takes some of the pressure off him where it's just like he doesn't have to go out there and and be incredible he just has to get the ball in the playmakers hands and and you know he did play great I don't want to take that away from him in this game but you've seen him in other situations where he is forced to kind of come in and be that that guy that needs to make a play and more often than not we haven't seen it out of him and and that's been with a lot of different teams that he's played so it's not just been in a in a in a vacuum yeah i had one of my many 
family Christmases. I have a large family, and it started this uh, started yesterday. And one of the guys there was a Packers fan, and he was like, "I can't believe Mayfield's doing this." But then we talked about just w- with what you said, slaps. Where like he has so many weapons, it's kind of easy for him to work a little better. But I mean, that being as it is, like we've seen shitty quarterbacks have like amazing weapons and not deliver. So interesting point that Scotty makes. I think like one of these middling teams that can't really get a quarterback through the draft that are kind of holding on, but do have good skill positions, maybe pick him up to see what noise they can make uh, to buy themselves some time. Cause I think he does deserve the look. I mean, you see what he's doing. I mean, Tampa Bay seven and seven, they're on a three game winning streak right now. They just, you know, just won in Green Bay. We we saw a team recently that Scotty and I like not be able to win a game in Green Bay. So, I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's worth it. It'd be really interesting to see how NFL GMs value him in this offseason. He's either going to be a starter or going to be on a team where the starter is a little bit meh, like maybe like a Falcons um, or the Vikings, kind of in a tweener stage where they're like, we're not sure what we can do, but we do have weapons that could support somebody like a Baker Mayfield. So yeah, I think he's going to end up staying with the Bucks. I think they're going to re-sign him for another short deal uh, because what you just described is exactly what the Bucks is, a middling team that can't pick up a quarterback in the draft that has a lot of good weapons. You're talking about the Buccaneers, and I think he's a great fit for them. And we got to remember, too, this guy played for the Browns. He played for the Panthers. It's not like he's been given this opportunity before, and we're seeing him deliver now that he has the opportunity. What more can you ask of a quarterback? He's um, not play for the Rams. That's yeah, that's true, and he, he looked good then too uh, that for cool that short game. period. I will not yeah. that, that game was, for that short period. That game was but that's the thing is that I think he's proven now that he has enough capability to be a starter in the league. Whether or not that's a long term solution or short term, I think has yet to be determined. But I think he's going to stay on the Bucks and be their starter come twenty twenty four. There's a potential. I mean, I, I the Bucks have kind of played themselves out of a top tier pick, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, th- there's a very good chance that the Bucks will go to the playoffs and we'll talk about that in a little bit so yep. uh why don't you uh finish this thing off with studs and duds here Alan yep got you uh depending on the sports book that you use the Chiefs might have totally hosed you on Sunday some books closing at uh 10 and a half and I, I have a graphic that we'll, we'll put up at some point I know if you're catching this on uh, one of our TikTok or Instagram feeds you'll see it uh but the Chiefs uh was a fourth and goal there was about 36 seconds left And instead of kicking a field goal, I think they were on like the eight. Instead of kicking the field goal to go up uh, by 13, they took a knee on fourth down to give the ball right back to the Patriots, who then took a knee. So that was that, (laughs) and that ended the game. And the the line being 10.5, it sparked some controversy on Twitter or X, however you still want to call it, that said, did the Chiefs not have your parlay or your gambling mind uh, in in their hearts when they were making that call. And I don't think they did because uh, that was a shitty way to end it. But after the game, uh, Coach Reed was asked why, and he actually came out and addressed it. And I was kind of surprised they asked why. But he said because it was unnecessary, Belichick's a great coach, didn't need to score any more points, the game was over. And so it was kind of like a nod to Bill Belichick who – I think probably would have kicked a field goal and said, fuck you. At the end no. of the game. <laughs> I was thinking about this, especially after this season. Yeah, <laughs> no. You know who would have kicked that field goal? Sean McVay. He would have kicked it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, we yeah. would all he love cares him about for us. It. He yeah. cares about us. He cares about the common people. people. Yeah. And it's bullshit that they, that they didn't kick the field goal. <laughs> Throw respect out the window. If you can't stop us, that's your own fault. 
Yeah, unreal. I thought it was a very unreal thing that he did, but you know what? I think Reed might be trying to make up for freaking out last week against the Bills. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just trying to stay in the good races now. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go to the Leather Brains game of the week. This is the Vikings Bengals game. This game was so electric. It went into overtime. The Bengals won this game 27 to 24. There's a couple talking points I want to have here very quickly. Jake Browning, starting quarterback for the Browns with Joe Burrow being out. Since he has started in week 11, Jake Browning is actually a top 10 fantasy quarterback. In fact, he is QB7 on the year since week 11. So uh, I think that's pretty great, and he might make an appearance in the waiver wire segment here. But he's been playing, honestly, really, really well. Uh, But I also want to talk about the Bengals' remaining schedule. They have the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So the Bengals essentially have to win. If they win two out of these next three games, they have a 70% chance plus, depending upon which games they win or lose, uh, to earn a wild card spot. But if they win all three, they're they're absolutely in here. Are the Bengals going to the playoffs, gentlemen? Is there a chance that the Bengals can beat the Steelers, the Chiefs, two out of three Steelers, Chiefs, Browns? I think they can. I think this game, what was interesting to me, if you want, okay, no disrespect to Jake Browning. But some of those balls were like 50-50. I'm just throwing it up there. My, my wide receiver is better than yours, which in this game, yes, his wide receiver was better than your defensive back. And I think it showed. T. Higgins caught like a ball. He had to come like 10 yards back and then reached over the goal line to score. And like you're like, wow, they're making that play was insane. I, don't, I think this is one of those instances where they're not winning because of Jake Browning. I think Jake Browning just understands and is being well coached and said, just throw that bitch up. Our wide receivers will get it. I know Jamar Chase went out with an injury. I don't know if we ever got an injury update on him, if how he's doing. He might be day-to-day. But he went out. He didn't even play the fourth quarter into overtime. Like He was out-out. Day-to-day and, with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Separated so, shoulder. Yeah, I think uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a neat game. I don't know. I think Jake Browning might be playing with a little bit of fire. I think some of these 50-50 balls are going his way, which he has good skill position players, but... I, I don't know. I, I I say they do sneak in just because the way the AFC is starting to shake out. I don't know where some of these teams are going to be. Uh, but the the Jake Browning project is interesting. And it's actually interesting because you look at some of the numbers he's putting up. And if Joe Burrow was putting these numbers up, we'd be like, oh, that's why he's the best quarterback in the league. That's why he's MVP candidate. That's why he's the number one pick. He might be the best quarterback in the AFC. I think it, it's an interesting talking point because it shows when you have an elite defense, when you have an elite uh, set of wide receivers and skill position players that you're able to do some of these things. And I think J- shout out to Zach Taylor, go big red, but J- they're definitely coaching up Jake Browning to do what he needs to do. And I think that's important to note for like his, his coaching, like him as a coach. Like, I think that's kind of a, a tip of the hat, like good for you for not just saying, you know, you, recognizing we don't have Joe Burrow anymore. How can we still win these games? Because I think a lot of people, you know, we have a comment over on Instagram, and I appreciate the the comment. I launch codes football says I wrote off the Bengals when Burrow got hurt. Browning has definitely surprised. And and to be honest with you, I think a lot of people have written off the, oh, yeah. the Bengals, myself included. So for them to come in and do what they're doing is is really impressive. I think they can beat the Steelers. I don't think they're going to be Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to be fighting. Yeah, and yeah, I Chiefs don't are think they're going to be the Browns. Browns. Yeah, yeah. two so teams like, that will still be fighting. I think, unfortunately, you know, it, it, look, man, it would be a really cool story. I, I, I hope that they find some success here. I don't think they're going to get it done, though, and unfortunately, I think the Bengals will miss the playoffs. Um, last thing to note that I have on the Bengals side of things is I'd be if you guys are playing Dynasty football, 
take a look at Chase Brown. He's 32% rostered, and he's starting to see more touches as a rookie running back. Makes it's not getting any older, and I just wanted to kind of put that in there as, as a little tidbit of help for those that are playing Dynasty Fantasy Football. And then on the flip side, looking at this Viking, the Vikings team, you know, there have been so many quarterback injuries this year. It has been disgusting for fantasy football, but it's just also kind of been like a little disheartening as NFL fans to have to sit through some games and watch backup quarterbacks just play football, and it's grueling and it sucks, but... Uh, Nick Mullins, he's getting it done as well. You know, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison both had very usable days. Uh, Justin Jefferson went seven for 10 for 84 and then Addison went six for six for 111 and two touchdowns. So, uh, got to give the kudos out to Nick Mullins as well. And, and the Vikings team, they are also spicy and not out of it yet either. So, you know, who is out of it, gentlemen, mm. Brandon Staley, baby. Brandon he's Staley out of, is finally he's out. out. He gone. He gone. Yeah. Oh, Scotty. I, I, uh. I'm not one to kick somebody when they're down. I I, I generally think that's a bad look. <laughs> don't but, lie. Yes, you are. <laughs> but don't interrupt me. Uh, but but uh, I don't think there's ever been a team in the history of sports that is down as bad as the Chargers are right now. Like this is just as ever. low as as low as low gets. Uh, I, their defense, you know, they their defense has been bad all year, but. With all the injuries that they have had on offense in, in this last game, Herbert, Allen, obviously Mike Williams is out. Austin Eckler looks like he's about 40 years older than he was last season for some reason. You know, with all this, the defense has just completely given up. I, they, they let the Raiders, the Raiders, I don't know if you heard that, the Raiders put up 63 points. I mean, that's just absolutely absurd. And obviously, Staley is gone now as along with the, uh, the GM. I, I want to talk about this. This is a really interesting point that I actually haven't heard a ton of people talking about that Kellen Moore was not named the interim coach, which is, you know, maybe surprising to some people, maybe not. But this really opens up a lot of conversation about the future of the Chargers organization, the future of Kellen Moore. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, I do have a wild prediction to to make after this, but I, I figure we'll start with just what do you guys think? You think he's going to be around next season? You think what, what do you think the future holds for Kellen Moore? I think it's a really unfortunate time for Kellen Moore to come into play. And the reason being is for all those injuries that you mentioned. That that to me is one of the most difficult things for him because he's going to come in with basically a second string roster at the end of the year and say, hey, you're kind of like you're a candidate for this. Go show us what you can do. And he can't even do what he does with the starting lineup because he doesn't have it. The other thing is really the offense this year for the Chargers has not looked great given all the weapons that they have. You know, you mentioned Austin Eckler and how he's looked like he's aged 40 years in the span of, of an offseason. That's true. Where has Austin Eckler been? Where have this offense that has kind of shown signs of explosiveness in years past has not been that at all this year? And, and that's what Kellen Moore was supposed to come in here and fix. So I don't know if Kellen Moore is the answer. I don't I honestly I don't think he is. But I don't know what where this team goes from here. They obviously need a head coach, but I think they need to look outward. I don't think Kellen Moore is going to fix this issue for them. Yeah, we we talked about this a few weeks ago, where it was like they should have fired him. They should have fired Staley a long time ago to see like what he could do with like people. In, you got to think from a player's perspective. Like nobody gives a fuck on this team right now. Like they sure. know they're not going anywhere. They're mailing it in. Like some of them are are just trying to look for their next contract now. Like the the objectives they have right now are out the window. And for somebody like Kellen Moore have to come in and have Easton Stick be your starting quarterback. Shout out Omaha Creighton Prep. 
if that is who you're rolling with in an NFL game from here on, like what what are you what are you gonna know? And I think yeah. I, I think they're the Chargers are they put themselves in this position and now they're kind of hose. And I think he almost has to stay. Like you almost you have to give him I think so, just from the sheer fact of like he was a sought after coordinator to begin with. You brought him in to retool the offense. I don't think anything that went wrong this year had anything to do with the offense other than like if he could like not have people get hurt, which I don't know if a coordinator has any influence over. But it's it's there's some of that. They're getting older, and I don't think it was them. Like Herbert was hurt. Eckler is just looking god awfully old all of a sudden. Quentin Johnson can't catch a cold. Him and Tony are going to have therapy in the offseason for AFC West <laughs> wide receivers that can't catch passes. And then you have just like the defense that's giving up everything. So what are you, what are you supposed to do? I, I think he's still a hot coordinator. I still think you don't let him go, but it's just a tough position to be in. I think you could, I could see either way play out. So you, get, you give him the head coaching job. You give him the head coaching job for a year and see what happens? What do you have to lose? I, but I, here's the thing: if you're Kellen Moore, we talked about An this before. You know, I, I, obviously the 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 Panthers head coaching job up for grabs, and we talked about okay, if somebody goes there, they are fucked. Doesn't matter how good of a head coach you are, just the situation there is so bad, it's going to be very difficult to overcome. And it's looking like the Chargers are in a very similar situation. They're going to have to completely revamp their entire offense. You know, Justin Herbert very well may be the guy to get the the, uh, the job done forever, but what about all the other pieces who are all 30 years old and injury-prone? Like, what are you going to do about that? So this entire offense has to change. If I'm oh Kellen Moore, I know the talent that I bring to the table. I'm I'm really looking for other opportunities, even if it's a lateral move. Go ahead, Alan. So breaking Ari Marov on Twitter, I think we all follow him, uh, just announced that the Chargers are placing center Will Clapp on IR with any injury also ending his season so like literally 59 seconds ago he's saying Yikes, another offensive man. weapon another offensive like key key component is out it's yeah, just hilarious. It, so so here here's my wild prediction that i have just you know created at my dark and twisted concocted. mind yeah right, go ahead so this is two parts the first part is frank smith the offensive coordinator in miami nobody talks about him he's not a household name and it's because mike mcdaniels is a media darling and he's an offensive excuse me, an offensive mind. So everybody kind of gives the credit for the explosive offense to Mike McDaniels. But if you read, you know, Frank Smith's been around for 10 years. He's, he's coached under a bunch of really notable head coaches and everyone says the same thing about him. This guy is a true professional. He does a great job developing relationships with the players and he's successful consistently. I think Frank Smith is going to be promoted to a head coaching job this uh, this next season. I think he is going to field calls and I think he's going to be a head coach this next season. And that opens up an awesome offense in Miami, a lateral move, yes, but an opportunity for Kellen Moore to really put his stamp on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's a chance Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator under Mike McDaniel come 2024. That's my bold prediction. That is very bold because think about it like this. He's been an offensive coordinator at the Cowboys. He comes in and he's an offensive coordinator, and we're sitting here having a discussion where he's possibly going to take over as a head coach. We know that the Panthers GM or the Panthers organization is very interested in getting Kellen Moore as a head coach. So if you were Kellen Moore, why would you take another lateral move? You know, like the objective is to be a head coach, and you have potentially at the very least two opportunities between the Chargers and the Panthers. Understandable that neither of them are super sexy, but like, why not take, take the upgrade and move on? You know, I'll I don't know. I'll we'll, tell we'll you, I'll happens. tell you why it's the Eric B laid the groundwork for it, where you 
you have an opportunity to make a lateral move and to demonstrate that you can make a significant impact and be successful no matter where the organization goes. And here's the thing, Kellen Moore, he he's been he was with the Cowboys for 5 years. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator outside of Dallas. So we still don't really know, we haven't seen him prove it with multiple organizations yet. And I think a lot of a lot of teams are going to say Kellen Moore is still a little bit of a risk to put at that head coaching position. And as a result, I think Kellen Moore also doesn't want to put himself in a spot where he's going to be his first head coaching job in a bad team with a bad situation. I think it'll be better for him in the long run to make a lateral move that is going to be successful versus jumping up to that head coaching spot for the Panthers and suck for the next 10 years. And then everyone wonders what the hell happened to Kellen Moore. I guess we'll see. I mean, only time will give us the answer here, but I I don't know. I don't see that happening, but uh, you could be right and I could be uh I could be called a fool here in the off season. So, uh let's talk about the Rams, we'll Alan. Yeah, we'll stick in Los Angeles. Uh wanted to bring this up today to talk about because I think over the last couple of weeks you talk about Matthew Stafford really his numbers climbing. We've talked about how his production's really elevated. And I just wanted to bring just a quick just a quick nugget just to get your boys' opinion on this. But, like, the highlight being, does anybody really want to see this Rams team in the playoffs? Like, do we really want to see this team as they've started to click and rise? And I'm going to give you some numbers really quick, and then I want to get your your kind of opinion on this. Now, currently, if you pull up the AOF, or the playoff picture right now, they're, they're sitting at the seventh seed. So they're in right now. Obviously, they we still have more games to play for things to shake out. But Stafford is looking healthy and productive he's looking like a man on the mission to end the season this team if remember they're only a couple years removed from a super bowl uh mcveigh is still a solid coach they got cup and now, now they have puka nakua and they have kyron williams the offense is lethal enough to hang with most teams and they just recently lost to the ravens in overtime in baltimore a place that nobody really wants to play in and they are showing that they can do it and I'm really interested to see if they sneak in. I really hope they do because I really think that two, three matchup, whoever they're going to get is going to be really interesting. And over the last four games, Matthew Stafford has thrown for over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. To me, they're clicking him. at the right time. Oh. I wouldn't want to play him. And to get, let me finish this really quick. Sure. To get the seventh seed, the remaining schedule is Saints, Giants, and then the 49ers, which who knows? The 49ers may have already clinched. They might be resting. I think they're firmly in. I think they got a, a, the way they're playing. I think they're in. But if you're one of those teams sitting right now in that 2-3, so right now it sits now, you got Eagles, Lions, 2-3. If you're one of those teams, do you really want to see the Rams right now? No, you don't, especially if you're uh, – No. I mean, you just don't. And, like, if let's the Saints will be a win for the Rams. The Giants will be a win for the Rams, right? If they even lose to the 49ers, they still have a 94% chance to make the playoffs. So, like, there is – unless they just completely just go off the rails, the Rams are going to go to the playoffs. You don't, I don't think you want – I don't want to see this team. If I was, you know, if I was a Chiefs fan, for example, and, the, and I had to see them week one, and I know that's, that's not going to happen. But, like, if it was – no, I wouldn't because the Rams, they do look really good. Matthew Stafford is playing great ball right now. As you mentioned, I think Kyron Williams has really gone nuclear for this team in a great way. The Rams are scary. The Rams are a team that I would not want to play in the playoffs because you have to be playing good football. There is no – there isn't – like if, if the Falcons were to sneak into the playoffs – the Falcons and the Rams are very different teams. You know what I mean? And like if you were right. if you were playing the Falcons week one, you'd be like, okay, like, yeah, we should be able to handle this pretty easily. And then 
the Rams, like it's it's gonna be really hard. So I'm with you, man. I would be afraid of the Rams, but I'm I'm excited for uh I'm excited for the Rams as well. I do like Sean McVay. I yeah. like that team and, and I think they, they do look really good. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too, is you know, out, outside of the actual fandom implications, uh just as fans of the sport I think everybody wants to see the Rams in the playoff. This is a team that could really make some, not only make some moves and win some games, but do so in a really exciting fashion. They are they are good for the brand of football. So I really I really am pulling for them to make it. Yeah, I think it makes an interesting matchup. So we'll we'll follow it. I'm really rooting for them because I think it, it they, like Slap said, the Saints, the Seahawks, or Falcons getting in is kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah, okay, like it's a winnable I, game, but like they, I think, like the yeah. Rams the Rams really... show up, you're like, I got to block Aaron Donald. Then I have to game plan for Stafford, Cup, Nakua, and Kyron Williams, like, and McVeigh. Like, that nobody wants any part of that. I'll be interested to see who gets that matchup because I think we're, I think we might see a NFC upset right away in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about playoffs. Let's talk about the Bucks real quick. The Bucks have a 78% chance to make the playoffs after they beat the Packers this week, 34 to 20. The Bucks are leading the division in the NFC South after the loss, the Falcons losing to the Panthers this last week, which is hilarious. Uh, the Bucks are seven and seven. Saints are seven and seven. Falcons are six and eight, and the Panthers, who cares? They're out. Uh, but the Bucks' remaining schedule is the Jags, the Saints, and the Panthers. And I bring this up because there's a few different scenarios that could play out here. If they beat the Jaguars and the Panthers, and then they lose to the Saints, they have a ninety-eight percent chance. They lose to the Jaguars and then beat the Saints and the Panthers, they're in. And if they lose to the Jaguars and the Saints, but they beat the Panthers, they have a 57% chance to get in. So I I say all of this, who's winning the NFC South? Who is going to take the cake here? Like, what do you guys think about this whole thing? I think the Bucs are going to take it, but I'm curious to know what you guys think. Well, it's certainly true that the Bucks. Uh, obviously, we just saw what their offense is capable of. They have a ton of weapons, and when Baker is playing competent football, they can move the ball really well. But the other big thing, similar to what I said about the Bills, that the Bucks, the Bucks are another team that dealt with so many defensive injuries, and all these guys are coming back, and that makes such a huge difference, especially when you're getting into playoff football. And their defense has a lot of players who are older. Shout out Levante David, go Cornhuskers! Um, but they, they, doing a lot they have a lot. <laughs> They have a lot of players who have postseason experience, who have been in the league for a long time, and now they're getting healthy. This Bucks team, I agree with you, I think is going to be my favorite to come out of this uh, division. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because the Saints also, I mean, if they can get out of uh, Carr's way, they have a chance to to pull us up. I almost want them to just put Winston in just to see. But Oh, me too. <laughs> we all do. We've been rooting for that since week one. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's gonna. It's literally coming down to the wire. They are very even on paper. If you look at statistics, points for, points against, they're they're winning right now. It that that Saints game is gonna say whoever wins that game, that's it. I, sure. Well, uh, so the Saints had the Rams, Bucks, and Falcons. So they're. Oh, I thought I think they played this, this. I thought they played the Saints still. You're talking yeah, they the Bucks? Do. They do. No, the Bucks. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the Saints. The Saints rest of the season schedule is Rams, Bucks, Falcons. Let's yeah, say they yeah. lose to the Rams, and then if they lose to the Buccaneers, they're out. If the Saints win against the Buccaneers, and then they beat the Falcons, they're in. Yeah, it's going to be that that Bucks Saints game is going to come for, down to the division. So it's, that, a, that, it's a big, that, big that's game. It. That's yeah. it. All right, uh, let's go over to the Bills embarrassing the Cowgirls. And yeah, it wasn't this, an. It was a slaughter, is what that this, game was. So go ahead, Scotty. I know that you've you kind of touched a little bit on this earlier, so I'm going to pass the mic to you. 
yeah, it's it's the same thing we already talked about. I mean, I won't rehash all of it. Obviously, James Cook was was incredible, and this Bills offensive front just absolutely bullied the Cowboys defense, which is something that we have seen this season, like I mentioned, but we just haven't seen it a ton because of how many points the Cowboys score. Lots of teams cannot expose this weakness, and the Bills were able to do that. But again, the real story here is Buffalo's defense. We 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 talked a few episodes ago about you know our friend our mutual friend who's a Bills fan who has who wrote off the season. He said, we're not good. Too many injuries, too much inconsistency. Josh Allen's throw many, throwing too many interceptions. Uh, but with a healthy defense on the field and they don't have to have Josh Allen play hero ball and just huck 50-50 balls, you know, all the way down the field that get intercepted half the time, uh, this is a completely different team. And I just don't think we're in a position now where we can write the bills off because they look like they have made such dramatic strides over the last few weeks. And I'm excited to see them, you know, push forward because I think they have a really good shot of winning out here and making a playoff run. Well, their last three games for the season are the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. So if they win all three, they have a 99% chance to make the playoffs. Realistically, I think the Chargers and Patriots should be both pretty easy wins for this Bills team, but the Dolphins are where it really comes into play for me. If they do win against the Chargers and Patriots and they end up losing to the Dolphins, they still have a 45% chance to make the playoffs. There's a lot of a lot of moving pieces for that that number. So are the Bills going? Are the Bills going to the playoffs here? Are they going to are they going to win out and just lock it up and say, "Hey, we're we're done <clears throat> screwing around. We're going to get there." What do we think? Because a couple weeks ago, I, we were writing them off. Yeah, and, and this is they're making it interesting. I think they picked just a shitty year to do what they're doing because the <laughs> AFC is so backed up. Because you look at the teams that are 9-5, and 8-6, and six, and you got the Browns, you have the Bengals who are 8-6, and six, you have the Colts who are 8-6, you have the Texans who are 8-6, you have the Bills who are 8-6. and six. So you have a log jam of teams that are playing fairly well, have good records, and the Bengals own the tiebreaker over the Bills. If you remember that game early in the season, I think it's going to come down to that. I think it's also going to come down to the last game of the season. I think the Bills are going to have to beat the Dolphins to get into the playoffs. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Because I think what we're going to see is it's going to get down to that final week. The Bengals are going to have the last spot. The Bills are going to need that last spot, and they're going to need to win to get in because they're going to tie them on record, and then the Bengals have the tiebreaker. I think that's exactly what you're going to see when it comes down to the end-of-season scenario. So, Really, the question is not are they going to make the playoffs. Do you think the Bills beat the Dolphins the last week of the season? I think they do. With with their defense playing as well as they are now being healthy, you you could really limit the Dolphins on offense. So I think it's going to be a very exciting game, whether it's a low-scoring kind of defensive affair with a lot of turnovers and sloppy, or whether it's a shootout. I think it's going to be exciting either way. Here's the other thing, real quick. They can also win the division. Yeah. They could. So, so this is this is all. I think that last game actually is not even for their playoff spot. I think it's for the division, I, and that's probably where we're at. Is it's crazy. They win, they're in, and if they don't, maybe they're not. You know, true. When when you win the division and you're in the playoffs, lose. You don't win the division and then you're not in the playoffs. What a <laughs> wild scenario that would that's be. That's absurd. It, no, it is. But like that's that's kind of where we're teeing up. We'll see what happens because. Like I said, there's a lot of other moving parts to determine that. We still have three weeks of football to play. But uh, before we continue on, I, we do have some viewers over on Instagram. 
we are coming up on the hour mark and, and there's some technical difficulties with, with Instagram at the moment. So at an hour, they're going to cut you off. If you're enjoying what you guys are seeing with our first ever Instagram live stream, go over to YouTube, Leather Brains Fantasy Football, and uh, the show is going to continue to go on here. We, we're, uh, we still got some more to talk about, obviously. So I just wanted to let everybody know it's going to cut us off here shortly. And we appreciate all you guys, all you viewers that are on uh, Instagram. And we'll, we'll be back for Wednesday. All right. Are the Cowboys frauds? Yeah, we got to flip the script and talk about the Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys speak- frauds. <laughs> I don't know, man. Let, let me to- let's just let's just backfill this a little bit. Let's put some context to it. Um, the Cowboys have lost to Buffalo, Philly, and San Francisco. Obviously, all if not playoff teams, teams that could very well be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They have won against the Raiders, the Giants, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Panthers. <laughs> But, you know, the commies. Holy shit, dude. This really yep. feels like like they are leading the fraud conversation. Scotty, you forgot one. You, you forgot one, and it's on Slap's forehead, a team they lost to. No, I said the yeah, Cardinals, baby. didn't I? Oh, I didn't. It's on the list. I thought you said, okay. I thought you said, I thought you just said the, the three biggies. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Continue. Oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. They lost. Yep. Uh, but yes. I just don't understand, you know, this is a team, obviously, we see them on the field, and when they're on, they're putting up 40 points a game. Their defense is very, very good. They obviously have one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. But have they put it together enough for us to say, this team deserves to be ranked, you know, top three in the league? No, no. And it's funny because the the same homework that you put in, look, I, I, I like the fact that everybody thinks that we come in and we sit down and we just rift and we're just having conversation. We definitely are, but there is a lot of homework that goes into doing this show. The same homework that you put in, Scotty, I was doing as well. And and I'd done it a, a little bit before you. I was just sitting there and I was scrolling through it. And then you actually put it all on paper and brought it here. But I started looking at this and I was like, man, all of the teams that they have beat have been pretty like medium tier teams at best. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think that the Cowboys are frauds and I think this really shows this game has shown they have a lot of weaknesses. They they beat up on some bad teams and then they've struggled against good teams and I think that's where the Cowboys historically have been the last few years is kind of middle of the pack and I think that's where they're going to be at again this year. I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. I don't think they're super, they should be Super Bowl favorites. They might make a splash in the playoffs. They might win the first round and get to the second round. But I think when you put the Cowboys up against a competent team, they're going to lose. That's where I'm at. I do think they're a fraudulent team. Alan, you agree? I think that's where everybody is. You look at the, I mean, in, they, they get the Dolphins coming up. I think, you know, they, they have an interesting little end here too. Um, they're already clinched. So we're going to see them in the playoffs. Now it's just, yeah. who are they playing? What are they going to do? Um, I think, I, I don't... This is tough because it's hard to win in the NFL. We we like to like wax poetic and it's all hyperbole. We're like, you're the best, they're the worst. And it's tough to win football games in the NFL. Bottom line, it just is. You look at all these teams struggling and it's easy to minimize the team by saying you didn't really play anybody. Okay, well, you know, a lot of teams, quote unquote, don't play anybody and we always, they always find ways to lose. These are professionals too. But I think where you where where I get frustrated is you, you're you on the broadcast like, this is the best, def- this is the best defense in the league statistically. You're like no, they're no, they're fucking not. Like they just they they play teams when they're when they're down. They beat up on teams that are might be struggling. Even the game against the Eagles, the Eagles were were trending that way. 
they were having their own issues and it, they caught them on a bad night. And that happens in the NFL. I, I'm with you. I don't think the Cowboys are one of the top teams in the league. I think they are what they are. I think they are what they were last year. I think they are what they were the year before. And that's a decent playoff team could win a wild card round. And that's about it. And I think that's where their ceiling is again this year. And I think it was just overinflated confidence um, coming coming through the, the last half of the season. But I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, we'll okay. see if we have to eat our words. I hope not, because I also don't like the Cowboys, and I'm trying to put my bias aside and just look at the team as like a, a team, and I, I just don't think – I mean, this was a great example, 31-10. to 10, you, that's, that's, You're not an upper echelon team when you're losing 31-10 to 10 against the Bills, who've had their own struggles this year that we've kind of already covered. So another team that has had some struggles this last week, of course, is uh, the Jets. They got their ass handed to them by the Dolphins. In fact, uh, they didn't put up any points. They put up a goose egg. So, the Dolphins have done all this without Tyreek Hill. Like, that is is one of the, the most impressive things because the Jets are touted as, as defensively. They have a great secondary. They have a team that is really, really good on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, without Aaron Rodgers, the whole offense is kind of – there's an asterisk there. But defensively, Jets have, have kind of been touted as a good team. I think they were missing a few pieces, but – Dolphins were also missing the speedster and MVP candidate Tyreek Hill. Raheem Mostert steps up, not just two touchdowns. And Raheem Mostert, guys, actually still leading the NFL in touchdown scoring, which is pretty cool because he's an old dude that nobody would have thought. Like, I didn't have that on my bingo card this year. I, I'm guessing y'all didn't either. Um, and then Jalen Waddle, somebody who has been really absent for most of the year, actually came up really, really big. He went eight for nine for 142 and a touchdown. I think without Tyreek Hill competing on the field, it definitely opens up the opportunities for Jalen Waddle, and I think this is very, very evident. The Dolphins' remaining schedule is Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. If the Dolphins lose all three of these next games, they still have a 90% chance to make the playoffs on a wild-card spot. I think it's fair to say that the Dolphins are going to the playoffs. Are we all in agreement, agreement there? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're okay. per- for all intents and purposes, they're locked. Uh, and then the only other thing is the Jets have a 0% chance to make the playoffs, so we will probably not be seeing Aaron Rodgers. He will not make an appearance here at the end of the season. Like that, There was some conversing going on that he might. Uh, I think even last week he was playing on the scout team defense and made a pick as a middle linebacker, and everyone's like, well, what are you doing? I think it's safe to say they're just going to put him in recovery and see what they can do next year. So Man. let's talk about the Jags, Scotty. Yeah, I don't know what to think about the Jags, man. They're 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 a te- they're one of these teams that you look on paper. It's one of the it's like an analyst favorite team. You look on paper, okay. They've they've added a bunch of weapons. They got Calvin Ridley. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has shown flashes of potentially being a great quarterback in the future. Um, but they just can't put it together consistently. And you see that even on a game by game basis with players like Calvin Ridley. You know, Calvin Ridley had 1400 yards receiving a couple of years ago with the uh with the Falcons and then he shows up and you know some games he's going off for 100 yards and some games he gets three catches for 12 yards and it's just a lack of consistency and we really saw that come to fruition in this game when they you know in the first half just just terrible overall missing two field goals so first of all they're stopped in the red zone twice missed both those field goals no points on the board Trevor Lawrence fumbles in the red zone give the ball away and then we already talked about the blunder with the play call at the the end of the half where which also kept them from putting up points these are just it's, it's just a, a series of mistakes that should lead everyone to believe this team is not ready 
This, they're not ready for the playoffs. They're not ready to make a serious run, and they still have a lot of moves to make, whether it's just development or replacing pieces, what have you. But overall, this Jags team has just been so disappointing for you know Jags fans and for a lot of fantasy football folks that really thought this team was going to have, at the very least, an explosive offense that you could rely on, and we just we just haven't seen it. You're pointing at yourself, Alan. I take it you were in that camp. Yeah, I thought with Dougie Dougie P that the they were going to at least heat it up on offense. You know, they have the the playmakers to do it. They have the weapons to do it. I figured another year with Lawrence that he would mold him to how he wanted, but it's just kind of the the same stuff we've seen. It's like you see the tools and talent there. It just like for whatever reason doesn't happen. Um it's almost like a Herbert situation where it's you see the tools and talent, for whatever reason it's just not happening. Now, unlike Herbert, I think a lot of this can be placed on the quarterback like he just makes terrible throws he doesn't make great decisions they're not quick and it's unfortunate because they do have the weapons um it's just they're going to be in the playoffs and i think they're going to be a layup for some of these teams in the afc i think that is what you're going to end up seeing i couldn't agree with you more i i i haven't been a i don't really care for the jaguars a whole lot but you know, last year when they went to the playoffs, they looked pretty great. They were they were competing, and it was like, man, like what could this team be? And it really has. I think I think Sarah Jessica Barker really truly does play a a large component in you know some of the gatekeeping to their success. So I I'm not bought in on the Jags. I think they're still kind of a middle of the pack team. I think they could compete some years and be frisky, but unless they do something drastic, I I don't I don't see them really changing bare minimum this season so I do want to talk about the Ravens for a little bit obviously the Ravens did beat the Jags and they beat them up pretty good I I don't think the Ravens are Super Bowl bound I know that they have had a really good year this year I know that um they have looked great at times and they are definitely a Super Bowl candidate for sure I just don't think they're gonna do it I, I I get the feeling that they are going to um a top tier defense is gonna figure them out pretty quickly I, my, my biggest concern is is this, because I, I go back and forth with Lamar Jackson. I've done it his entire career, okay? And I watched this game last night, and Lamar Jackson, you can't argue with the dude's athleticism because he is an athletic specimen. But what I, what I didn't really like that I saw in this game, and I understand that they won pretty handily, so a victory is a victory, and, you know, we talk about how hard it is to win any given Sunday. But I, I watched this game, and Lamar Jackson just looks flustered. He looks like he – there was one play in particular that really sticks out in my mind. The pocket was kind of sort of collapsing, and his first instinct was to jump through the pocket. He took a step – so he did that, and then he took a step back, and it threw the defensive lineman off. And then he's scrambling around in his own pocket, and it all happened very, very quickly. Lamar Jackson's allowed to do that because he is so athletic, and he does make some really great throws, but I think – where Lamar Jackson really struggles is being able to read a defense appropriately. And I think if you put pair him against a defense that is, has a good defense that is very strategic and has a good defensive coach, I think he's going to struggle because that is really where he's found his bread and butter is his, his ability to move his ability to extend the play and get the ball out of his hands. And he does make some cool throws, but I don't think he is able to read a defense effectively. And if he gets pressured too quickly, I I just I don't see the success there for him. So I, I don't think the Ravens are Super Bowl bound. Yeah, I don't think it's the offense. <clears throat> I think it's much like we see with the Chiefs this year. Everybody's so hyper fixated on how the offense looks because that's what we were fixated on from Baltimore 
or Kansas City, like they had explosive offenses. They were so dynamic. They could do this, that, and the other thing. And if you look like the top four scoring scoring defenses in the league right now, Baltimore one, San Francisco two, Kansas City three, Buffalo four. And you talk about the teams that are like you look at trends going into the playoffs, like that's what's going to get them there. Their defense has to hold some of these teams down. Now is the question of can they do it against some of these offenses? And if you look at the AFC, for as great as these offenses are right now or can be, they're wildly inconsistent. They're up and down. Like they don't get two halves together. So I'm interested. I think they have a, I think they can. I think they have a shot. I think that AFC title game will be super interesting who they get because if they don't get one of those top defenses and they get kind of a, you know, the offenses on the other side is middling, I think they have a, a good shot of doing it because they can beat up on obviously the, the bad defenses, much like anybody else can do, but it, it's who they're going to face. It's all matchups in the playoffs. And I think their defense is going to be the reason they, they get there, not because of Lamar Jackson. But, and I, I want to take what Slapdoc said and twist it a little bit because I think all of those criticisms are valid if we're talking about the future prospects of Lamar Jackson five years from now. But when we're talking about Lamar Jackson in 2023, when he's relatively young, he's healthy for the first time in a long time, and his ability to improvise is what makes this offense explosive because you you can bring pass rushers all you want to but at the end of the day if Lamar Jackson is able to scramble around for seven eight nine seconds no defense can keep up with receivers for that long it's impossible to do so if he's able to keep the play alive like we saw last night you you look at the game last night and looking listening to what you said and and looking at your notes you're kind of like well he looks he looks scared sporadic a little bit what I saw is this is a guy who will put the offense on his back and make plays that nobody else in the National Football League can make I was impressed as hell with Lamar Jackson last night not only with his with his rushing ability, but with the pinpoint accuracy of some of these passes that were just ridiculous and absurd. The one the one that comes to mind, um, I can't remember who the receiver was, but he caught it between those uh, two defenders after Lamar Jackson escaped what should have been a hundred percent sack, and then scrambled around for another five seconds to find a receiver who was able to make a play. And those sorts of plays are very uncommon, even at the highest level of football. Lamar Jackson can do it, and I think if if Baltimore finishes the season strong, there's a good chance. Lamar Jackson is at the top of the MVP conversation. I I I look at the other AFC candidate teams at the at this point and I I just don't have them going all the way. I think the Chiefs are overall a better team. I think the Bills are overall a better team and uh and the Ravens are certainly in in that conversation as they should be, but I think if the Ravens end up meeting someone like the Chiefs in the playoffs, I think the Chiefs win that game. And and same thing with the Bills. If they if they go yeah. that far, I just I don't think the Ravens have what it takes. And part of that is the inconsistency that is Lamar Jackson to make the reads. I don't want to, he looked great last night, and I get that. I, I athletically, like I said, guy's a freak. But I think one of his biggest flaws is being able to sit in the pocket and read a defense appropriately. And I think if you get a good defense on him, it's gonna really put a lot of pressure to try and get him to succeed. And I think even look. If the Ravens do go to the playoffs, I think the 49ers defense really exposes Lamar Jackson in a bad way. And and I have the 49ers, of course, going to the Super Bowl. So that, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see through the stretch here. Um, well, but, and we haven't even mentioned Keaton Mitchell yet, which is uh, he sure. has become a massive part of this offense. And now, obviously, out right. with that disgusting injury that happened. Very unfortunate. Um and that's going to make that's going to make a big impact because now they're going to have to a, a sneak preview of our waiver wire segment but they're really going to have to rely on Justice Hill to make some explosive plays in the open field and he hasn't really demonstrated that he can do that consistently since we've seen him uh in the NFL. 
Yeah. All right. Let's go over to the uh, brain busters here very quickly. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, I think we have a we're on a couple different places here, so bear with me because we have had questions flowing in from Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, the question comes from Herbie Hancock over on uh, on mm. X or Twitter. He says, "How come Matt isn't coming to my birthday party, Scotty? Why aren't you going to Herbie Hancock's birthday party?" Well, I, I do know who this person is, and I was invited to a gathering of sorts, uh, wow. but the reason I'm not is because I'm here right now, and I had obligations uh, to all of our many brainiacs who rely on this analysis, both for entertainment as well as fantasy purposes, and that's where my allegiance lies. So, unfortunately, just lower Damn. on the totem pole, my friend. It's just That's just the way it is. No, uh, no disrespect. Man, Herbie Damn. Hancock. I hope, uh, I hope that is a good enough answer. That was actually the only question. Everything else was just people commenting. And, uh, yeah, that's my bad. And then we're going to do the waiver wire, Monday Night Football, and we're going to get the hell out of here. So the waiver wire. Scotty, you mentioned Justice Hill. I take it he's a waiver wire candidate for you. Yeah, he is. And, you know, I don't I don't want to overblow this because, obviously, what we saw last night is, is what we saw all season with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson being the two primary options when they get in scoring position. So Justice Hill, if he scores, is going to have to score from probably outside the 15 to 20 yard line. He's going to have to break some crazy plays, but he is going to see a lot more playing time now without Keaton Mitchell there because he is the, the shiftier back, the more explosive back between him and Gus Edwards. So we're going to see him more involved. There's a good chance that he becomes uh, you know pretty usable for fantasy. Okay, uh, I will suggest Jake Browning, quarterback for the Browns. Excuse me, the Bengals. Um, he is 44% rostered, and I kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but he is actually quarterback seven since he has started for Joe Burrow. Um, his rest of the season schedule is a little bit finicky, but I bring him up because a lot of people are in quarterback purgatory right now. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have been hurt, and if you're looking for a quarterback, this guy is probably on your waiver wire. There's more than a 50-50 shot, and uh, and he's been playing pretty good ball. And it, you know, as we talked about earlier, I don't want to give him all the the accolades here because he's on a really really good team with a lot of good wide receivers, which kind of makes me interested in starting him, right? Because we saw that catch at T. Higgins had where he leaped over the defender when it should have been a pick, and then he reached behind him in like a spiraling fashion. That touchdown was insane. But guess what? Jake Browning got he got a touchdown under his name. So it counts for fantasy, and uh, and I, I would be looking to start him if you're hurting for a quarterback. Alan, you want to do book? yours? <clears throat> I'll do mine. Mine is uh, off the beaten path a little bit, and if you're really desperate – um, and I think it's more of a volume play more than anything because their end of season schedule for the Chargers is not great. But that's one Joshua Palmer. Um, if you're hurting your flex position, um, he could be a helpful add. He scored 21 points last week. Keenan Allen being a mystery. You don't know where the target share is going to be, but Palmer looks to be in line to at least be targeted a healthy amount. And if you look at their schedule to end, they got the Bills, the Broncos, and then the Chiefs, which depending on where everybody is, they are all still fighting. So you could see some... Uh, it, you know, I like the the backdoor cover, as they say. Like, you could get some late targeting, late ads. It could be a healthy option just if you have absolutely nothing left to play. You're really hurting, limping in, need a miracle. Joshua Palmer it could be a good volume play down the stretch. 
Yeah, and, and my next one is along a similar vein, uh, which is Tyler Boyd. He's actually 49% rostered, so there's a 50-50 shot. He's available in your leagues. Uh, Jamar Chase, obviously, we talked about, got that shoulder injury. He is day-to-day. There's a chance that he plays. There's a chance that he doesn't play, so it's something to monitor. But assuming that he's out, I think Boyd could be a sneaky play as a wide receiver, too, uh, for the Bengals because these guys are going to play Pittsburgh and Kansas City over the next two weeks, and both of these defenses are bottom 10 in points allowed to slot receivers, which is where Boyd would be. So if Jamar Chase isn't in there, you obviously expect Boyd's workload to jump up a little bit, and he's going to be playing the exact position that tends to tear up these two defenses that they play next. So if you're hurting, you need a flex spot, you're dealing with some of these injuries like all of us are, Tyler Boyd is certainly an option for you. My last one is Noah Brown, 47% rostered. He is a wide receiver for the Texans. Someone is going to have to catch the ball for the Texans with Tank Dell out. Nico Collins was out this last week, and Noah Brown was a huge beneficiary of that. Nico Collins, something to monitor, but I would be interested in maybe even rostering Noah Brown to see what's going to happen with Nico Collins. If Nico Collins isn't out, Noah Brown becomes a very interesting play for me. So I uh, I would be rostering him and kind of waiting and seeing what goes on with there. But like I said, 44 or 47% rostered, excuse me. So I got to ask you this. Uh, the fantasy football season is coming to a conclusion, unfortunately. Sad face. Are you guys in it still? Or, I mean, are you guys uh, – what, what are you guys' leagues looking like? Uh, I am in nine leagues this year. I missed the playoffs in two of them. Are you okay? I missed the the playoffs in two of them. So seven, I am in the playoffs. I don't think I'm going to win any of them. I think uh, my teams were good enough to make it this far. And if I get lucky, then maybe I'll get a couple. But I look at the top teams in all these leagues and I'm like, I don't I don't think I can compete. Alan, Uh, for money purposes, I'm in five of them. I do play some family ones and fun ones for free. I... Was it made the playoffs in four of them? And one seed in one and two in the other. So I earned two buys, got a payout. I have a good chance to win two of the leagues. The other ones I'm not very optimistic about. I'm limping, limping around. It was, I more made hay off the beginning of the season and then my team died and I just happened to be there at the end. Yeah. Hey. Um, so we'll see. A lot of people are we'll in see. that boat. Well, best of luck yeah. to you, gentlemen. Monday Night Football. We have the Eagles and the Seahawks. I think this game, I think we were kind of talking about this game. I don't know if it was in our text chat yeah i think this game's gonna be interesting i think i do think the eagles win this game that's what i have but i think the seahawks could make it more interesting than than a lot of people realize so that's where i'm at where do you guys see this game i am if i am an eagles fan i am as nervous as nervous gets this feels like it's in must you know not technically must win but it really kind of feels like it's a must win type of game and playing at home in seattle uh, or, or playing away in Seattle, I should say, from the Eagles' perspective, is always a difficult thing to do. Obviously, the Eagles have looked pretty rough the last couple of weeks, so this is either going to be a get-right game where the Eagles really put it all together, or if they continue to disappoint, this is th- the definition of a trap game. Yeah, for me, uh, I like the. Let me, give me the Eagles. Uh, Hertz is uh, rumored to be sick. I like. I'm poetic. I like a Jordan flu game. They Rappaport said he's still going to go. Uh, looks like it's a four-pointer. Give me the Eagles and the spread. Four points. Easy win tonight for the Birds. Ooh. All right. I guess there was a question that came through on Instagram. It said, Jalen Hurts has diarrhea. Gino has a sore <laughs> vagina. Who has the <laughs> So, um, I'd rather have a sore vagina than diarrhea. Diarrhea would be tough to manage. Well, from, yeah. from a realistic perspective. Unless you just don't care. 
e- even if Jalen Hurts shits himself, everywhere. he's still gonna be he's still gonna be tush pushing for one yard touchdowns. So if you had to choose between them, I'm I'm going with Jalen Hurts. I don't want to be the one pushing his tush in that situation. Yeah, I was gonna say you might get some squirts, man. That's pretty yeah. rough. But yeah, yeah I got for the win for the team. So. All right, gentlemen. Well, that is all the time that we have today. Appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to us, submitting your questions, all that good stuff. Uh, welcome into the Instagram, folks. If you're not already, highly recommend you go follow us over there because we're posting some stuff over there that we don't post on all social media platforms. And uh, hit subscribe, man. Hit subscribe. It, it really does mean the world to us, and uh, we are continuing to grow. It's been an awesome, fun year, and uh, as things start winding down in the NFL, we're going to start gearing up for uh, the next season. So continue to support us, and we appreciate it, and all the other things, and let's get the hell out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.